Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Thank you, guys. Did, weren't the team absolutely sensational? The harmonies. I sounded awesome this morning. The way, when I'm singing, because when you sing with harmonies, isn't there just so much more depth to it and everything? I had a balloon that I was going to use as an indicator, but as soon as the, light, the air conditioner went on, it shot off somewhere. There we go. A balloon's got one purpose in life. Let's see if you can get that up here. Look at that. A balloon's got one purpose in life. I blew it up in the first service. I nearly passed out. (laughs) It's a little bit bigger than a normal balloon, but a balloon's got one purpose in life, and it's to hold air. Now, if I fill this up with um, concrete, changes it, doesn't it? Fill it up with water even, changes its whole dynamics. It becomes a weapon. Water balloon fights, everything like that. But um, it's, if I put this over my septic tank and caught the air from that, it, it becomes a hydrogen bomb. So what goes in it is really important. But balloons, are, they perish and they die, but they're made for one purpose. And when they're filled with the right things, see, we're meant to be filled with the breath of the Almighty. We're meant to be filled and inhaling the goodness of God because when we do that, we rebound. We have some resilience in it. And God has made us for a specific um, purpose. During the break, after my nine, the nineties this morning, um, Paul came to me and said, Stephen, I had this vision this morning as I was praying and seeking God. And he said, I saw this vision of someone sketching in a notepad. And he's like, oh, what are they sketching? So he looks at the sketch and they're sketching an, a phone, a smartphone, an iPhone. Let's use iPhone because they're the best ones. We all know that. No, it works for me. So, um, so he's sketching, sometimes it doesn't. He's sketching the iPhone, and um, this is the word that came out of that, was that God has designed, that it's been designed and for a specific purpose, but there is so much more in it. It's no longer just a phone, is it? An iPhone, smartphone, has been designed for a specific use. So if you just make calls on it all the time, That's all you're used for. But do you know that you've been designed? You're not just being designed for one purpose like a balloon. You have so much inside you. On my iPhone, I can look up the weather and and check into the radar. If I never use that, it's useless to me. I don't use it. So you might be thinking, I don't have much going on in my life. I don't have many giftings or anything like that. You don't know until you open up that app what, is that, what God has actually hardwired inside you. So don't just shut down and think, oh, I'm just a phone. I just send texts. No, no, no. There could be so much more in you. There is so, And I'm telling you, if you're alive and breathing at the moment, and you've got a bit of a pulse, God needs you on the planet for this generation. God needs you here because you are to reflect the power, the beauty, and the majesty of Almighty God like no one else can. I don't know if you're hearing me this morning. You reflect an aspect of God's nature that no one else can ever reflect. You bring out the God colours, the God flavours, the God smells of life like no one else can. So I I just want to, that's in accordance with the word this morning, which I want to sort of get into right now, because I had a look back through our podcasts, because Kylie's message last week on Vision 2020 was really good. 
This is the year, 2020. What a great reminder for us to be looking and seeing and looking for God and looking for God encounters and things like that and looking for the goodness of God. But she brought a message out on um, last week on Vision 2020. And it was talking about following a prophetic and progressive vision after Proverbs 29, 18. Without a prophetic vision, we cast off restraint we live carelessly, the Word of God says. And not only that, the original Hebrew says that we make ourselves naked. We're without defense, we're without clothing, we're, we're absolutely stripped of everything that is good for us to protect us. So we, we need to have vision in life. If you don't have a vision, you, you, you struggle. Everything that comes up against you is a blockage and a restriction and a, an obstacle that is just too, too big. Uh, with a vision, you just go, no, I'm getting through. Like if I'm, I'm walking along and I'm going somewhere and someone stands in front of me, I'm just like, okay, see you. Go around it to get to my vision. I keep moving on. So um, I actually um, started looking at the whole aspect of the messages that have been coming out because she brought out Acts 2.42 and it says in there that the first century church. Now these guys, I'm telling you, they came together it was a move of God, but something happened through the Holy Spirit where they got it so right. They didn't know what they were doing. They were just living by the skin of their teeth and the seat of their pants. They were just flying on a wing in a prayer, but they were following the Spirit of God. And such a profound thing happened that I think here in the 21st century, we could model some of the things that they did in the, the first century. But it opens up in 2918, oh, sorry, in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, but to the teaching of of the apostles, the word of God, the inspired word of God that's coming in. So I started going, looking back through the history of our church and the podcast just this year. Oh, sorry, last year. Because this year it's only one. Uh, last year, it, last year was, um, was God gave us the word year of outpour. That was the word. Now, immediately we think means something. That, and it's different for each one of us because we could hear outpour and just go, uh-huh, I know what that means. And it's like, no, no, you don't, because God is going to bring it out in a different way than what we expect, because he wants us to have an encounter with him afresh and new. So um, I, start, I look back over the message, and I was just blown away. So I'm just going to recap on something. Ashley did a message recently that was on what do you think? Remember that one? Those that were here, what do you think? When you hit obstacles or when you come across conflict in life, you might think this is how it is, but what does God say? Or what do you need to think? By Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It was a great um, reminder about what we think. Frank did a message just recently on look. Look. I remember the quote was, you know, look doesn't cost much. You know, it doesn't, you don't need to be wealthy or smart to look. Anyone can look, but he was reminding us to look for Jesus, look for, look for God's hand in our life. This morning, Brett was praying and he said, Holy Spirit, remind us of all the good things that God's done for us. Because we can hit days and be thinking about, oh, this conflict today or the work that has to happen today or what has to happen in the future. And we forget to be thankful for what has already transpired. Because when we look back and we... Because in Psalm 116, it says, you know, um, what should I give to God? 
Well, for all, the, all that he's done to me, remembering what God has done. Because when we know what God has done and we're thankful for it, it gives us a foundation and a proclamation. It gives us something strong that we can stand on and say, no, he's done it before. No one can take that encounter away from me. This is how I'm going on and seeing it differently. So remember to look. Chelsea spoke, Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, what a great message. She talked about gold, frankincense and myrrh. It was right at Christmas, you know, and and talked about how frankincense, a beautiful healing potential of it. Myrrh, great embalming and anointing aspect to it. And gold, the only inert metal that you can mix it with other metals, but when you heat it up, it refines back to pure gold. You you can make brass, um, bronze, sorry, and that's out of zinc and copper. But once you put them together, you can't separate them back out. Gold is inert. It, it stays refined and it just shows the beauty. This, these gifts weren't just expensive gifts given by Muslim kings to the king of the Jews. They, they came in and it wasn't three, three gifts, but it wasn't three. They, it was potentially up to 12 of these kings of the east came. It was shepherds and Muslims that came to worship Jesus when he was born. How powerful is that? That's amazing. But um, how they, they weren't just good gifts, they weren't just expensive gifts, but they had spiritual and profound significance to them. Steve McCracken last year spoke on, it's, it's um, what is it, deployment time. Some of you were there. It's deployment time. And then we did a whole series on the armour of God and how we fight battles and everything like that. Kylie did messages on Know Your Enemy. Soldier on. Oh, she had some really one. And one that I really enjoyed was Run Into the Outpour. Run into the apple. Ashley did one on the outpour of yeast. Outpour of yeast. But it was talking about why is the kingdom of God, why did Jesus talk about the kingdom of God being like yeast? There were so many messages. I went back over them and I'm looking at them and I'm going, wow. And when I went through them all, I'm like, God, you were talking to us. You were giving us a progressive, organised, revelation-filled message all year, just keeping us moving forward. And I want to tell you now that if we catch the heart of the first century church, now I listen to podcasts from other churches and from other ministries and stuff like that, but I, I, all of a sudden I am now just so passionate about the Word of God that's coming out of this house for us because we're in this region. Because if God's speaking, like Adrian just said, then it's something significant because God doesn't waste his breath. If God's speaking, then it's a word to empower, to encourage, to uplift you, to carry you through, to strengthen you and to bring you forward. Adrian spoke two messages. I've got to, come on, I've got to give a shout out. So, so, how to sow, what you're sowing, you know, so, so, what do I sow? You know, and, and it's all on sowing and reaping the principle of God that he cannot be mocked in. People try and mock God because of faith and because of us weirdo Christians, but they can't mock God in the principle, whatever you sow, you are going to reap. It's a principle in life that cannot be um, refused or revoked or, or taken out. Um, He also did Power of Surrender, and Chelsea spoke on when push comes to love. Oh, what a great title. Sometimes the title, you're just like, I don't need to hear the message now. Yes, you do. That is a great message. So last time I spoke, last time I spoke, I talked on taking up the helmet of salvation. Wow. Now, the word helmet in the Greek actually means the covering for the most seized object. I just 
Let that sink in. So it's a covering that goes around the most seized object in our life. It's interesting that it uses that. And I thought, my goodness, how, how pertinent is that for right now in this generation? Like never before, um, we have oppression, we have behaviour, we have disorders that are all coming from the mind, all coming from the mental aspect of life. And it's an area that the enemy tries to control and invade with fear, with doubt, with anxiety, with depression. It's an area that the principality of the power of the air tries to attack and to, and to warp. Get us to believe a con. Get us to believe a lie. Jesus said, I come that you would have fullness uh, you know, of life. But the enemy comes. He just wants to put steal, kill, destroy. He just wants to absolutely confuse us in our minds. I, I talked about how social media and the internet are possible contributors. I don't want to demonize internet and social media because it is that are profound connectors and tools that we can use um, at the moment. But no matter how you look at it, our soul health, okay? I'm not going to use mental health because I think it's actually a soul area. Our soul health is in decline. Um, our soul health crisis is rising and rising. And you wouldn't believe how many institutions, how many medical, psychological, these areas, they are trying to find what the answer is because more people are taking their lives, more people are being, uh, entering to, into depression, more people are having breakdowns and crisis like never before. So today I just felt that this is a word from God for us as we start out the, the year for us to grab hold of because God has an answer. God has an answer. The world says, we don't know what the answer is. Uh, they, they say, oh, we'll, we'll medicate it because it's a chemical imbalance. So we'll medicate it. But medicine and drugs are useful, okay? I, I'm not saying go off it because God has the answer for you. But God has an answer that goes deeper than, than just that. So just like each one of us has physical needs to keep us healthy and, and alive, and they are clean air, clean water, we all need these, um, sufficient sleep. Who had enough sleep last night? Some of you are asleep right now. Don't worry, it's my fault. If you're sleeping, my fault. You need safety in your life. You need good food. You need appropriate clothing. Like if you go out in the wrong weather with the wrong clothes on, you get, it really, things come undone pretty quick. And you also need shelter in your life. These are um, specifics and they're definite things that we all need. But just like we need physical things to stay safe and stay whole, we also need necessities in our life to keep our emotional and psychological um, area, our souls in balance. Because if we don't, what happens is our peace, our joy, our strength, our compassion in life, which comes from our soul, gets eroded and evaporates very quickly. So these are areas that each one of us need for our soul and for our psychological and emotional needs. We need to know that we belong and we are a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. We need to know that we belong. Each one of us must belong. We have to have that belonging, being a part of something and something bigger than ourselves. We need to know that people see us. We need to know that people hear us. And we need to know that we are valued by people. 
These are all things that, that each one of us must have in our life. We need to know that we have a life of meaning and of purpose. Because otherwise, it's just like, what's the use? We all need to know that we have meaning and purpose in life. And we all need to know also that we have a future that makes sense. These are psychological areas that we all need to have to have a balanced emotional state. Now, I love the generation I was born in. I'm an ex-gen. No one's been able to work us out. X, unknown quantity. No one. No one's been a, you know, X, multiplication factor. We just multiply things and make it so much better or worse. Uh, but at the same time as I appreciate this time, I can see that our whole culture is becoming less and less capable of meeting the foundational emotional needs that each one of us has. Now, there's lots of contributors, and I'm not trying to minimise those at all, but I think this is an underlying flaw as we're seeing the soul health crisis rise and rise. Now, Dr. Derek Summerfield is a South African psychologist. He lectures at um, the, he's a senior lecturer at London Institute of Psychiatry, and he just happened to be in Cambodia in 2001. So a fair while ago now, I remember when I was looking forward to the turn of the millennia. I'm like, wow, I'm going to be like 30-something years old, 32 years old when it happens. Oh, gee, I was young. Oh, looking forward to that. And now we've hit 2020. My goodness. But 2001, he's in Cambodia. He's at a, um, a release of, of um, chemical antidepressants into Cambodia. And they're, they're lecturing on it, they're doing instructions on it and everything like that. But the Cambodian doctors at these, at these lectures, they're going, oh, we don't quite understand what you mean by antidepressants. And he, so they went in and told what the basic chemical makeup of antidepressants were and what their function was. And they said, oh, we don't need those. We have antidepressants. So Dr. Summerfield was like, right. So they've got to be like herbal or homeopathy or something like that if they're not using chemicals. So he says, well, what are you going? So they tell this story of what their antidepressants were. There was a guy. He's working in the rice fields. And he's working there, you know, year after year, decade after decade. He's an old, not an elderly gentleman, but he's an older, middle-aged guy, strong guy, working in the rice fields, steps on a landmine that was left over from the conflict that went from 1969 to 1993. Um, the Khmer Rouge, Pol Pot, the killing fields, there was a whole heap of stuff that went on in Cambodia at that time. And blew off his leg. So he went and got it, that treated, the trauma treated and everything, and now he has to work with a prosthetic leg. Now, that's hard enough, learning to use a limb again and, and learning to walk with a, a prosthetic leg, but he has to work in water. And from what I had explained through this um, story was that it was excruciating. Bad enough that he's got a, a wound that's trying to heal with a, with a prosthesis on it, but now he's having to work, work in water it starts impacting and affecting him profoundly. He starts crying every day. His energy goes. He starts getting really pessimistic about his life. He gets to a point where he can't get out of bed in the morning and he just lets his farm go to rack and ruin. His community around him, it's a small community, they call the doctors. The doctors come in, a few of them, and they start asking questions. They sit down with this guy and start talking to him. And they ask him about his life and what's happening, what's going on since what... And everything that he said was valid. All the things that were happening in his life contributed to where he was at this point. 
But the, the one thing they didn't do, they didn't say to him, well, you just buck up, mate. Pull yourself together. Just push through this. You got yourself into this. You know, this is life now for you. They didn't say any of those things. They listened to him. They validated what they heard. They, they didn't pander to him. But then they started looking for, for answers. And they spoke to the rest of the community. And one of the doctors come back and said, look, if, if we got this guy a cow, he could become a dairy farmer. And then he wouldn't have to work in the paddy field. So the community gets together, gets him a farm, uh, sorry, gets him a cow, and he starts becoming a dairy farmer. Within one week, he stopped crying. Within one month, all the clinical depressive you know, behavior that he was displaying was totally gone. Now, that sounds really simple. It sounds like, because they got him a cow. So then the, the doctors say to Dr. Summerfield, so doctor, when you say antidepressants, that's what you mean. Sounds like a bit of a bad joke. You go to the doctor, you're feeling a bit depressed, and you say, doctor, I'm not feeling good. I'm crying every morning. I've got no energy. Can't get out of bed. I'm really pessimistic. He goes, here's a cow. No, that's not the answer. You know, it's not going to work like that. But the cow was an answer to a need in his life that started putting balance back in there. But it's not about the cow. It's about something more profound. Oh, see, I've written all these notes and got <laughs> this whole story is written out for me to follow. So anxiety and depression hit us all. No one is immune to it. It hits everybody. But these, these things aren't there because we are broken. See, when, when I was growing up, it used to be mental health. There was a stigma attached to it. If somebody was going through depression, it was like, oh, they're broken. There's a, there's a malfunction in their brain. Can I, and I want to say this really clearly, and I did this in the first service because I felt that it was so significant, because um, this area, if you have any pain whatsoever, if you have any anxiety or depression whatsoever, it is an indicator in your life. It is a warning alarm that's coming up to saying things are out of balance. Things aren't in harmony at the moment. Like I went and played, <laughs> I used to play squash when I was a young fit man. And um, then I took up water skiing, which is a far more superior sport. <laughs> so Zach plays squash. He's number one division two. So in his team, there's only one person better in the whole of Mildura in his team. So then Zach says, I'm laying that on rather thick, but Zach says, I'm going to take you guys out to play squash. So Thursday night, Kylie and I and Chelsea and Zach go out to play squash. So I'm having a hit with, with Kylie and I'm going, oh, I've got, still got some timing there from 30 years ago. My goodness. So I'm hitting the ball. I'm going, oh, I've got some timing and hitting up with Kylie, being very kind to Kylie. Love you, Kylie. And then Zach and I had a bit of a hit. And I'm like, I could be a potential father-in-law here. Um, I've got to draw a line in the sand that, uh, that I'm a dad. And uh, you don't mess with the dad. So, uh, so anyway, so he and I start having a game. He's division one, number two. Did I mention that? I beat him in the first game. That could, should get way better response than that. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was really close. We went to what you would call juice, and, and I won. But I was coughing blood. I was like, just a second. 
I had no legs, no lungs, no life in me. And um, second game, he won 15, 9, 10, something like that. Then the third game, he won 17, 15. I still came back and I was making him run. The next day... I was working in the boat getting it ready for Callum's birthday and I had to put the stereo back in because it snapped off when we hit a tree a couple of years ago and I, and I was working for like four hours with my underneath the dash and that night we went out for dinner and as I'm sitting there, my shoulder starts just cramping up, like seriously cramping up and I'm, and I'm there and the people we went out for dinner, for, dinner with, they were at the last service and he reminded me that I whined and whinged a lot during the meal. And uh, <laughs> I didn't think so. And uh, that night, I've had a dislocated shoulder on this side, which I had to actually have surgery on. That night, it felt like I had a dislocated shoulder. I could not sleep. I, could, I, I had to move like by... <laughs> I didn't sleep. It was a, it, there was nothing wrong with my body except that I had a lot of lactic acid in there and it was an indicator that I had actually done something. Now, it's funny about pain because pain is relative. I've had pain before. You know, I have a back injury that I'm, I'm being healed from and I have back pain on a daily basis. And, you, and I sometimes think that is the worst pain. Then this came along and I'm like, can I just go back to the nice pain now? I'm using this in perspective because they are an indicator of our body being out of balance. I should have done some exercise. I used to always say to these old guys that would come in to play squash when I was young, they'd say, oh, I'm playing squash to get fit. I go, mate, you don't play squash to get fit. You get fit to play squash. So what do I do? I go in there and just go hell bent for leather and I'm paying the price for it because my body has got meep, 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 alarms going off everywhere. So this is what I want to say. If you are experiencing anxiety or depression in your life, fundamentally, and this is a big one right over the top, and I want to say this firmly, but very soft, it is because you are, a, not because you've, you've got something broken in your life, it's not because you're, you're, not, you're weak or you're not strong enough for things, it's because you are a human being and you are not having your needs met. Okay, I'm going to repeat that because some of you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. No, no, but you need to grab this because it's important information for all of us. If you have anxiety or depression in your life, you are a human being. You're not broken. You're not weak. You're not insufficient. You are not having your needs met, those soul, psychological and emotional needs. And God has an answer for this. God has an answer. So... um. Johan Hari, he, um, he wrote a book called Lost Connection. He, he suffered a lot with depression and he couldn't explain. He didn't have anything trauma or anything in his life, but he went through lots of bouts of clinical depression and he's written books on it. He's got TED Talks on it and, and it's a great thing. But he said this in his book. He said, we need to stop now looking at medicine. We need medicine at times, but but we're actually over-medicating a lot of things now. And this is what he says. We need to stop talking and thinking about chemical imbalances and focus more on what the life imbalance is. In the 2017 UN Mental Health Summit, they said the problems in our communities causing depression and anxiety extend far deeper than just 
mere biology. Therefore, the solutions must go deeper than just biology as well. We can't just treat this with a drug. We, can't, we need to look at this holistically. We need to get a cow in the situation from the community that is actually going to help us to heal. The World Health Organization did a study recently, and in the USA, Americans, 36% of Americans say they are, they are um, predominantly lonely or they don't have any close friends to call their own. We are becoming a very lonely society. Up until this point, through history, we, um, we have been designed to live in tribes, to live in communities, to live in villages. Um, I don't like living in cities, but many of us do. That's why they're called cities. Um, but we have always done community and tribes and banding together so well because we are stronger together. We always do well together. We support one another. But this is the first time we are the first generation to break that mould to actually step away from that tribal um, community mindset because we're now doing it through a virtual community. We're connecting online. We're do we could be talking to a 1,000 people a day but not really connecting with them. We could be having conversations with a 1,000 people a day, um, responding, responding to blogs and, and texts and info and all that, but we're not having meaningful conversations about our life. We might be looking at people and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm seeing that person and seeing that Instagram, Facebook. I'm seeing their life. But you know what? It's a fake reality. It's a virtual virtual reality. It is no um, replacement for the real that God wants us to have. Never before we, we are so disconnected, so lonely, and, and actually so busy with all these distractions. Whew. That's not to say social media is bad, but there's an illusion to it. People are just presenting their best image on, on all the social medias. Yeah, like, you wouldn't believe, I've seen some people take a thousand photos and they're going, ugly, 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 ugly. Oh no, Photoshop that one, send that out and everyone's like then comparing, oh, their life is so beautiful. Look at all their beautiful life. It is a false reality. I love it when we go back to old film. I loved it. We would take photos, for you young people, we used to have cameras that had film in them. And you couldn't open them up. They, you had to wind it. And then you'd take a photo. And you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know if it worked out or not. And then you had to wait like two weeks to get those photos back. And when they come back, there was like a big blur. And there were like red eyes. And there's somebody that's just doing like, you know, and somebody, you know. Or you take a family photo and then there's one kid just in the middle of the photo. And you all laughed at it. We go, look at you, look at you. Now, we don't want anyone to see it. I love it when people go, oh, I look ugly in that photo. And my response is, no, no, you look like that all the time. We have to look at that all the time. Which I know is really harsh and we're talking about mental health. Wrong thing to talk about. But you sort of get what I'm talking about there. Ecclesiastes 4 says this. It's far better to have a, this is the message version. It's far better to have a partner than to go it alone. 
Share the work. Share the wealth. Oh, my goodness. And if one falls, the other helps them up. But if there's no one to help, it's tough. Two in bed warm each other up. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third, they ask, because a three-stranded rope, not just one friend, but getting more than one friend, a three-stranded rope can't be easily broken. Too many of us are trying to go through life, connecting through a virtual reality at the moment when we need to be doing community. That's the way God meant it to happen. Um, Genesis 2.18, this is the, just after he made, um, he, he created the world and then he forms Adam. And then what does he say? It's not good. Up until then, it's good. It's good. Each day, it's good. It's good. It's good. He gets to day six and he goes, it is not good for man to be alone. We are not meant to do it alone. God identified it back then. I had a school teacher went that said, God goofed. God messed it up. I said, no, he didn't. He's making a profound statement about what his purposes are and making it very clear to us, you're not meant to do it alone. Whew, getting a bit passionate there. I've even had family friends that have, because um, what I'm talking about here is doing community. Okay, you're sort of getting that picture now from the cow story and all that. It, it, it's about doing community and we're meant to have intimate groups and intimate relationships with people. But they are not the be-all and end-all either. Now, I've had friends and family members that have been in church at one time and then they've been hurt by somebody in church. So therefore, they've said, the church hurt me. I've been offended by the church. So then they leave the church and they go and join a sporting club. They go and join a business club. They go and join some commerce interest group. And they've even said to me, that's our church now. Do you know what? In those positive and beneficial group and community, they are going to have some of their needs met, those needs that are very vital for us. But there's one thing that's missing. We are spiritual beings with an eternal soul, and there are sometimes there are nothing, there is nothing that anybody else can do to help you. There's some people in this room that are probably going through crisis and loss and, and black issues and dark issues in their life at the moment that I, my heart bleeds, and I just go, I wish I could help you, but this is life. You have to go through this. You can't step out and say, I've had enough. I don't want to do that anymore. You actually have to walk through this. This is part of life, losing loved ones. This is part of life, being rejected. This is part of life, experiencing loss. This is part of life, being offended. This is part of life. And I would love, the Father heart is to remove but God says, no, I can make all things work together for good for those that are in Christ Jesus, that call on the name of the Lord and are living according to his purposes. Acts 2.42, coming back to the first century church. This is the Passion Translation. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Now, I started off with the messages that are coming out in this church. That's because God's speaking to us. I went back over and I'm like, wow, God, you had a theme going right through and none of us even talked to each other. No one rings me up and says, Steve, what do you want me to speak on? I, 
It doesn't happen. But when they come, I'm like, oh, that just fits in so well, so beautifully. You're listening to the Spirit of God. You keep in step with the Spirit of God. It's so beautiful. It says that they devoted themselves. And what that actually means then, they didn't just listen to it. They digested it. They went over it, over it. Devoted actually means dead to every other purpose. So they were dead to every other message, dead to every other influence, and they were devoted to the teachings of positive words of God, the promises of God, the the revelations of God that were coming out. And their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. Whoa. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Do you know that that's an indicator there. When we have an awe when we come together. When, like Adrian said earlier, when, it, when it's not just, okay, this is just ordinary God speaking. No, that we actually go, God's speaking. I, I'm expectant today. Come to church. Like I can hear God and get a revelation when I'm, when I'm at home and when I'm on the toilet or in the shower or I'm driving to work. But, but when I come to church, God's speaking to a corporate because He's here. We're two or more gathered together. There I am in the very midst of them. So you've got to come with a holy awe going, oh, what's God going to do today? Not like, oh, what are they going to do today? But you come like, what's God going to say to me today? And then it says, many miraculous signs and wonders were then performed. Faith, faith, signs and wonders follow those. Faith, the belief, faith is the preceder. Faith is the catalyst. Faith is the activator for signs and wonders. We all want signs and wonders, don't we? Do you want to see some signs and wonders and miracles? I do. We need to be together in one place, having one mind, being uplifting one another, living out what the first century church accidentally got right. I didn't mean accidentally. You know what I meant by that. Out of generosity, they sold, share the wealth. Out of generosity, they sold their assets to distribute to anybody who had need. Daily they met together. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts. Joyful hearts and tender humility. Being soft and teachable. Something powerful about that. They, continually, uh, they were continually filled with the praises of of God, enjoying the favour of all the people. I love, see, in other translations and when you go into the original Greek, it actually means their, their lifestyles became attractive to everyone in the community. Because of their, their passion, because of their peace, because of their love for life and love for humanity and love for God and their perspective of the future, that they knew that they had a safe future and they knew that they had a life of, of meaning and they knew that they were loved, that they were heard, that they were, they were listened to, that they were valued. Because of that, their lifestyles became attractive to the whole community. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life from death, coming to life. Now, the reason I'm saying that right at this point at the start of the year is because our life groups, we talk about our life groups all the time and and a lot of people still have the mentality, oh, the life group is something the church puts on during the week for me to go to if I have time. 
If I don't have anything else pressing or important, can I tell you right now, you're going to have so many things pressing on you. You're going to have so many family crises, family issues. You're going to have stuff that's going to come out the wazoo at you because the enemy, the power of the principality of the power of the air, does not want you to connect with other believers, does not want you to get filled with holy awe, does not want you to see signs and wonders and miracles in your life. He wants to keep you depressed and anxious doesn't want your needs to be met, wants to keep you as a human who is a human being who is not getting their needs met. But God says, I can meet all your needs. God will meet all our needs. He will supply all our needs according to His riches in glory. So as we head out in this year, I want to encourage you, connect in a life group. Because in a life group, you're, and, and we want to keep our life groups fairly small. They're, they're, there's some that need to split up and break up at the moment. That's a bad word. Divide and multiply at the moment. But you know what? As human beings, we want to go to the ones that have lots of people in them. Because it must be good because everyone's going to it. But do you know what? Jesus never went. He didn't. The crowds followed him. He didn't follow the crowds. See, we would follow the crowds and go, I can get heard here. I can tell my testimony. I can, I can make money. I can do all this through the... No, no, the crowds followed Jesus and he was never influenced by the crowd. He was influenced by the hungry. <laughs> never did anything for the crowds. He did it for the hungry. So I want to encourage you, get into life group. If you're going, if you experience any anxiety, any depression, you need to be in a, in a life group, in an intimate community that is not only just meeting your psychological needs, but when there are things in your life that they can't help you with, they can't value you enough, they can't encourage you enough, they can't listen to you, see you, or value you enough, they then point you to the one that can. There is a maker that has designed each one of us for a purpose. He is the one that makes us whole. He is the one that gives us eternal purpose. He is the one that gives us real life. And that's what the life group is about. Yes, community one, but ultimately God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all this goodness just flows on past it. How beautiful is that? This is really simplifying it, but I hope you caught the the heart of it. Yes? If you're able, can you stand with me? Can I invite the team back on stage? I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to absolutely... Quicken, old word, but make alive this encouragement of God to to be activated to connect with people, connect with other believers, to connect into a life group where you can pray about things, where you can break bread together, do community, so that when something's going wrong, the Holy Spirit can go bang with that person. They go, hey, are you all right? And it's not just somebody out of the blue that you're going, oh God, please let somebody call me today because I'm so lonely. No, no, if you want a friend, be a friend. You ever heard that one? It's a big one. I used to get told that at school all the time because no one wanted to be my friend. (laughs) Oh, Father God, how wondrous you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who you are. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are comforter, you are counsellor, you are advocate, 
You are our nurturer and you are our coach in life. You reveal truth to us and you remind us of everything that Jesus taught, everything that Jesus was and everything that Jesus carried. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now for the kingdom coming in people's lives, for you revealing kingdom principles and kingdom glory and kingdom potential and kingdom power in each life. Father, I thank you for altering families' timelines and family calendars and individual calendars and timelines. Holy Spirit, remind us of life groups when they kick back in. Father, thank you for for people connecting again and where there are those that feel rejected, or they're saying, oh, I've done this before and it didn't work in the past. No, enemy, you're not going to get the victory. You're not going to get the victory. We've got a God who is taking us from glory to glory. We've got a God who is for us and not against us. We've got a God who His promises for us are yes and amen. We've got a God who is for us and His, His purposes are to give us hope and a future. Father, I thank You for Your Holy Spirit and an encounter afresh with the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Truth. Oh, You are so good, Father. What should I give to God? What should I give back to God? For all the good things that He's given to me, I will raise a cup of salvation, a cup of wholeness to Him. My cup overflows, my life overflows because of Your blessing, Your favour, Your mercy, Your grace, Your goodness. You are an abundant God. Father, I'll raise my cup of life, of wholeness to you. And I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who saves. Father, I thank you for for when the dark times come, when the enemy tries to deceive us. I thank you for the Holy Spirit bringing revelation, truth and alignment in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, Amen. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.